Today I want to talk about Hall of Fames just for a moment. I mean, there seems to be a Hall of Fame for, for almost every human endeavor. You can find a Hall of Fame. There's, there's one for everything from, from, from being a barber, the Barber's Hall of Fame in Connecticut, to being into pinballs. My, my favorite Hall of Fame that I've been able to, to, to look up was the, the Toy Hall of Fame in Rochester, New York. Just think about some of the toys that made it. It shouldn't surprise us, you see, the, the Star Wars action figures, that's made it. Look at the next picture. How many of you remember Slinky? Hey, man, that's a great toy, wasn't it? Anybody in here never heard of a Slinky? Okay, well, good. We're united on that. And then I, I, love, um, I love this next one because this is so simple. The box made the toy Hall of Fame. I can go with that. Our next door neighbors had a basement and for about six months, we just gathered every box we could gather and it had all kinds of tunnels, you know, until it became a fire hazard and had to come out. It was awesome. Some of you remember little Brady Moore standing on this stage two weeks ago. And when we were asking the kids what they wanted for Christmas, he said, a box. That's the kid I wish I'd had. All right. <laughs> what could be funner than a box? Now, as we look at this today, I want to go to an even more important Hall of Fame, and that's God's Hall of Fame. We literally might call it God's Hall of Faith. We're going to be spending the next month in, in an amazing chapter in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. And, and in this chapter, he mentions at least 16 people who live out by faith, and many more groups where the, the people are named. And their faith was so amazing that the Bible says that God commended them. I, w I mean, I would love to be in some kind of Hall of Fame, but I would especially love to be in God's Hall of Fame. And it says about these men, I love the phrase at the end of the chapter, the world was not worthy of them. What an amazing study we're going to have these next few weeks. Now, I've been reading over this over and over and trying to figure out what can we learn about faith. And I want to set the groundwork for our verse-by-verse -verse study by, by teaching you some things today about faith. Start your new year off right today. Take some notes with us and follow along as we think about faith. First of all, we learn from this chapter that faith is essential. He says without faith, here's the word, it is impossible to please God. Now, it's an essential thing. To those people he's writing, who is the book of Hebrews written to? It's written to some young Jewish Christians. And Christianity is not turning out exactly the way they expected. The Roman Empire has all of a sudden changed course and outlawed Christianity. And they're beginning to go under persecution. And they thought, you know, this thing's just going to make my life easier. And it wasn't easier. It was now more difficult. And so you begin to see some signs that they're slipping away. They're beginning to fall back into some of their sin habits. They're beginning to skip church. They're beginning to stay away from the word of God. And um, the writer says, you got to have your faith. You need that. If you guys are going to survive in a world that's gone topsy-turvy on you, when life's not working out the way you thought it would work out, you must have faith. And for us today, my friends, faith is essential. 
There is no way for you and I to survive without faith. We're not going to be able to grow in the culture that we live in. You're not going to be able to make it through life when there are moments when life's not what you thought it should be. Maybe you can still remember today that moment where you became a Christian and everything was so excited and you believed that your life was going to be so different. And it has been different, but it's been much more difficult than you ever guessed. How do we deal with it? We deal with it by faith. You see, listen to me. Let's boil something down as we begin this series. The real issue of your life, the real issue of my life, it's always faith. I like this quotation. Every decision, every thought, every action comes down to this. To whom do I place my trust? That's what it comes down to. Every sin issue you have in your life. Why do we lie to look better because we don't trust God? Why do we worry because we're not so sure God can take care of us? Why do we have sex before we get married? Because we don't really trust what God has said is the best way. Almost every sin issue is an issue of do I really trust the Lord? And even on the positive end, why would you decide this year to give at least 10% of your income to the Lord? Because you trust him. Why would you forgive that person who's done you so wrong, despite everything in you that says don't forgive them? Because you trust God and what he said about this. Why would someone be dunked in a pool of water in a ceremony that literally from the outsider looks a little bit silly because you trust what God has said about that event and what he will do? So listen to what the writer says. You cannot please God without faith. And if you're struggling in your spiritual walk today, let me encourage you to do this. Look at your faith. It's always the bottom line issue. Now, here's the problem. Number two, faith involves the invisible. It it said about Moses, he persevered because he saw the invisible. Reading through this chapter, at least seven times, he's going to talk about how faith involves putting your trust in what you cannot see or what you have not received. It's knowing something's real that you don't see. Now, we do this every day, don't we? We believe that electricity is real, but you've never seen it. We understand that love is real, but you can't put it in a bottle and see it. And faith is acting out your life even when you cannot see the results you want. Even when it doesn't make sense. We're going to talk about this one fella, Noah. Noah spends 120 years of his life in the desert building a boat at a time when it has never rained in the history of the world. You talk about seeing the invisible? And that's why the Bible says to us, and Paul would say to us, we walk by what? Faith, not by sight. If you're seeking to walk by sight, you're in trouble. You say, well, buddy, if faith is invisible, then... And if it's this difficult, maybe I should just choose not to believe. I mean, in the world that we live in where there's so much doubt and so much skepticism, 
where more and more people don't share our beliefs in God and the Bible and Jesus, maybe I should just, maybe I should just punt faith. Well, that brings my third point that you need to understand today. Faith is not optional. You can't live without faith. When you drove to church this morning, you demonstrated faith. You say, well, how? Every bridge you rode over, you believe because of what you know and the evidence in front of you that you are going to be safe. Every time you go to the pharmacist, for you to take the medicine they have prescribed for you and that they have filled for you is an act of faith. You can't live without faith. And when it comes to your life and your philosophy of life, there's no such thing as not having faith. There, there's not an option to say, okay, well, I don't like this because it, it, it does involve the invisible and what I can't see. And so therefore I will choose not to have faith. My friends, here's the truth is everyone lives their life by some kind of faith philosophy. You might choose that faith philosophy today to be Christianity. You might choose it to be uh, Buddhism. You might choose it to be secularism. You say, no, I'm just, I'm not choosing any of those. Well, you really don't have that option. Even to choose not to have faith is to choose to live by philosophy with no belief. It's still a faith philosophy. We cannot get away from it. It's not an optional thing. You're going to live your life by the philosophy that there's nothing out there bigger than you. That's a philosophy. That's a faithful life. You're trusting that that's going to see you through in the end. So there's not an option here for for you and I to say, I'm going to have faith or I'm not going to have faith. The option is, are you going to have a faith that's intentional or unintentional? You could say, okay, well, I'm I'm just going to, I don't want to think about this. It it hurts my brain. It's too, okay, so just walk away. And then what you're going to do is you're going to make an unintentional faith choice. And in the long run, you're going to find out whether it works or not. So let's get into our text and let's find out about faith. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's work, look at the first three verses here. Now, faith is confidence that what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what was seen was not made out of what was visible. Now, here's my next point. This is what's going to help us. Faith is rational. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. There is a rational defense of faith. That, that, that second word there, the assurance of what we do not see, is the word some translations say, it's the evidence of what we do not see. You see, God's not asking you to plunge yourself into some kind of blind faith. God is asking you on the basis of evidence. The first word used in this verse means foundation. What's the foundation? There's a foundation of evidence for what we believe. Now, in that simple definition, Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, faith is the confidence in what we hope for, assurance of what we do not see. Let me be honest with you. I've always had a hard time getting a handle on that. I've always said, well, what's my definition of faith? And I go back and I read this. It's confidence in what we hope for, assurance of what we don't. And it, it, it's not really helped me a lot until I begin to look at it deeper over the last few weeks. And it seems to me 
What faith is about is faith is about the past, the present, and the future. It's about the present, what is. It's about the future, what we hope for. It's about the past, what we have evidence for. Faith is rational. Write down this definition I think we get from these verses. Faith is the present confidence that God will fulfill his promises in the future because he has proven faithful in the past. What is it? It's present confidence right now about what he's going to do in the future, what I cannot see and what I cannot control because I know he has been faithful in the past. Now we see this in our text. The first illustration of it is in verse 3. By faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command. Uh, The book of Genesis. God spoke the world into existence. Each day of creation, God spoke and then it happened. So that what is seen was not made of what is visible. It's fascinating over the last few years to see scientists come around to what he's just said about the story in Genesis. At first, we were sort of alarmed when people began to say the earth was formed by Big Bang. But the Big Bang theory, actually what it says is there was a point and a place where the universe exploded into being. There was a beginning. And what we do know, and what scientists would agree with today, is that the universe is winding down. Here's the point of this. If you have a beginning, then you also have an end. And if you have a beginning, you must have a cause. It's called the law of causality. One scientist put it this way, Francis Collins. The very fact that the universe had a beginning implies someone was there to begin it. You see, before this Big Bang theory began to be widely understood that there was a beginning, there were two choices. Either you believed that there was an eternal creator God, or you believed that matter was eternal. That was the choices. Today we know scientifically, by the second law of thermodynamics, that matter is not eternal. We know it had a beginning. And so the other choice is there's an eternal God who created it. And as we look at that, we see more and more evidence of this faith. He spoke it into existence. What's that got to do with your life today? Well, well, I understand the past. God is so powerful that he spoke the world in existence. God can change anything about anything by just speaking it. So what did I have to do with my present? I'm serving a God who I know will keep his promises that he will speak and one day everything in my life and everything on this world will be completely different. So I like how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 1 in verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. What's he saying there? My friends, the evidence for your faith is that God created 
ex nihilo, out of nothing. There was nothing, and God created everything. It was invisible, and God made the visible. And I like how, how some people said it. And when you look at life on this earth, it, it, it's, it's the perfect place for life to exist. We continue to search and search, trying to find life on some other planet in some other universe. But we do know this. We do know that life exists on this earth. And as one scientist put it, the dials were perfectly set for life to live on this earth. The earth was so many miles from the sun, the perfect spot. The earth was tilted in just the right degree or it would destroy itself or destroy us. The moon is the perfect distance from the earth or tidal waves would engulf entire continents. The dials were perfectly set for life to live. Now, here's your choice. Do you think that happened by happenstance? Or was there a creator behind it? I mean, you've all heard of the old argument about a watch. No, no one would look at this watch and go, as complicated as it is, there was just a tornado one day that went through some factories and what landed out on a field was this watch perfectly put together. You wouldn't believe that. That would, that would be foolish to you. We don't believe no matter how many tornadoes we could send through and how many factories and how many parts, it would ever come together. And yet you and I are asked today to believe that what we see here and who we are, which is much more fascinating and complicated than this watch, somehow just happened. You see, it's that example that the writer of Hebrews is saying, your life looks pretty bad right now, but you are serving a God who created the visible out of the invisible. Your life is looking bad right now and difficult, and you're not so sure it will ever get better. Understand, your faith in the present is based on what God has done in the past so that you know he can once again do it in the future. And that's really the, the whole point of the book of Hebrews. If you've read this entire book, it's about the superiority of Jesus Christ. What he's saying to them is you might want to go back to Judaism. You might want to go back to some philosophy. But let me say this before you do this. There's nobody and nothing that compares to Jesus. And again, what's he based it on? Now, here's, here's the past that we base our life on. He resurrected from the dead. I mean, the book of Hebrews chapter 1 and 2 talks about how Jesus defeated death once for all. That's what's our greatest fear. What, what's, what's, what's the moment that we're going to need the greatest faith? It's when we or our loved ones approach death. That's the great unknown. That's the great invisible. It's hard for us to wrap our mind around it. How can we wrap our mind about it? Around it, because we believe that at a point in history, Jesus resurrected from the dead. Because I believe there's incredible evidence for you and I to believe. You talking about explosions? Somebody's got to be to explain what we know historically happened in the first century with the absolute explosion of Christianity. What happened? The only legitimate reason. I see is that he really did come back up alive. Amen? I mean, that there was a dead guy that came alive. And, and, and these weak need disciples became strong. And the church exploded across the whole world. 
There's no other explanation than something amazing must have happened. It's not something happened three or four hundred years later. It's something happened right then when either he was dead and decaying or he was alive and ascended. Now here's what the book of Hebrews is trying to say to us. What happened in the past, God resurrected his son from the dead. The Bible says it's the first fruits of the resurrection. What does that mean? It's the first of many resurrections. In my present, as I face my own imminent demise or the people I love's demise, death, how can I handle this future? Because I know what happened in the past. And I believe that God will do it all over again. And so understand this, our faith is rational. Now, one more point. Our faith is influential. That's why he's writing this chapter. You got some people, like maybe many of us, who may be struggling in our faith. I may be struggling to believe that God really could save my marriage. I may be struggling to believe that I really can live a life with purpose. I may be struggling to believe that there's something more to life than just getting up and making a living and going back to bed and eating the next day and getting back up. There's got to be more. And and here's what the writer of Hebrews does. He, He writes all these examples to say, this thing is for real. He, he says, I want to really, I mean, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, and I wish we knew because I hate calling him the writer of the book of Hebrews. It's a long name. But whoever wrote it was an amazing preacher. And in chapter 11, he reaches the crescendo where he says, okay, guys, let me tell you what this faith looks like. By faith, this guy did this. By faith, she did this. By faith, he did that. He tells all these stories. Now, why are these Bible stories here? Listen closely. We make a mistake here. These Bible stories are not here to tell you what God once did. They are here to tell you what God does. Do you understand the difference? They're not here to go, oh, wasn't that cool that God was that way back then. They are here to tell these people and to tell us that God still works that way. Now, when you go through this hall of faith, Let me tell you some things that are going to surprise you. Number one, you'll be surprised by what faith does. Now, here's here's what's going to happen as you look through this. There are going to be moments we're going to read this chapter, and we're going to be blown away that God intervenes, raises people from the dead, heals people, does mighty works. We're going to go, wow. And then we'll flip over the next verse, and we're going to see that God didn't intervene, and that these people made it through their life, not seeing the power of God exhibited. So here's what we're going to find out. Faith doesn't always take you out of your problem. More times than not, faith takes you through your problem. And that's important for us to see. And I think you may be surprised at that. When God gives this great hall of faith, some of these guys, at least by sight, were absolute failures. There are a group of people in here that are sawed in two. And actually, that's probably a stronger faith than when you're rescued. So you'll be surprised by what faith does. Now, also, you're going to be surprised by who makes the list. 
16 times in this chapter, he's going to say, by faith, Noah, by faith, David, by faith, Abraham. Now, here's what you're going to find out about this hall of faith. This helps me out so much. These dudes are so flawed and so messed up. Abraham's a liar. David's an adulterer. Samson is a womanizer. Rahab is a harlot. And they make the hall of faith. You think, is God mistaken? Is God Steve Harvey from the Miss Universe pageant? Who announces the wrong winner? I love Steve Harvey's tweet during the holidays. On Christmas Day, he tweeted, Merry Easter. The guy's on a roll, isn't he? Does God make a mistake here? I don't think so. God puts this here so that we don't look at this hall of faith and go, whoa, that's cool. And man, those guys were powerful. But ain't no way I can live my life there. These people are no less flawed and disappointing and struggling than you and I. You're going to be surprised by who we're going to see. And then one more thing here. You're going to be surprised by who tops the list. Because the list is, again, it's all these guys by faith, by faith, by faith. Go back to verse 3, the first time he uses that phrase by faith, and we're going to find out who's there on the top of the list. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Who tops the list? The first space in God's hall of faith is reserved for you and I. By faith, we. His message here is not so much what Abraham did and how amazing that was, or how much David did, or how much these incredibly brave people did. His major point is you. It's me. It's we. So by faith, we. So what the writer wants you and I to do is to understand this morning that we can belong in God's hall of faith. I don't know about you, but I'm not making any hall of fames. But the one I I want to be in is God's. And what God says here to you and I is you need to first of all Picture yourself as being a man or woman of faith. And what's going to happen is you and I are going to be surprised by how much better our life is when we live and walk by faith. So let me me ask you this morning. when, when, When we look at this phrase, go to the next slide just for a second. When we look at this phrase, by faith, does your name belong in the next blank? You say, well, no, buddy, I've got lots of flaws going into this new... I'm not asking you if you're flawless. Nobody on this list was flawless. I'm asking you, because you know what God did in the past, do you have faith in the present of what he will do in the future? So where we need to start is where the chapter starts. That's with you and me. How much better would your life be 
in my life be if we lived it by faith and not by sight? You know what's driving us crazy today? You know what's stealing our joy? You know what's keeping us from being who we ought to be? It's the things we can see. You know what could replace that? By faith? Are the things we can't see. But we believe are every bit as real. How much better would your life be if you live by faith instead of by worry? How much better would your life be if you trusted God in every area of your life? I guarantee as we begin this new year, every one of us is facing some challenges and some disappointments and some heartaches and some blunders in our life. The question is, can we see by faith what God could do, not despite these things, but in the midst of these things. You know, we talked last week about commitment, and so many of you stood about commitment. You know when you're going to get committed to the Lord? It's when you, by faith, see Him as being more real than all the other things you're committing your life to. You know when we're going to really start giving? is when we by faith trust what God has said about testing him with our money. When are we going to live with integrity and honesty where we work? Is when we by faith trust God more than we trust the people around us. When will we really, really, <coughs> excuse me, pray believing? It's when we by faith get on our knees and know that God is listening. When will this church explode and our work here and across the world explode? It's when we begin to live as a church by faith. As a church, let me ask you guys, are we living by sight? Well, here's what we can do because we got these people and we have these resources and you add it up and this is about as much as we can do. Or are we willing to launch out as a church and live by faith? You see, when we have this kind of faith, it truly is a world-changing faith. And here's what I want you to see this morning as we begin this study. It starts in your world. So this morning, we're about to do one of the greatest acts of faith. And that's pray. Every time you pray, what you're saying is, I trust God. I believe in what he can do. I know there's someone I can't see that actually acts in my life. And so in just a few moments before we get out of this service, we're going to pray. Do do you need the prayers of the church today? You say, I can't see him. By faith, step out and trust him. You say, my life is so imperfect Oh, that's all right. That's the kind of people God puts in his hall of faith. So my challenge for you today is just to come and start this year just as you are. We're about to start with that incredible hymn, Just As I Am. Don't wait till you've got it all together to think God could use you through faith. That's not the issue. We know what God's done in the past. He's so powerful, he spoke the worlds into existence. He's so powerful, he resurrected his son from the dead. That informs the way I live today because I can anticipate what he will do in the future. If today we could pray for you,
It might be that old prayer in the gospels. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. If we could pray for you before you walk out of here, why don't you come right now as we stand together and sing?